0: Over the last year, I bet you'll have noticed this as well, we have been hearing the word freedom a lot. It's been related to the pandemic, regulations and opinions about the rollout of our approach to that. Well, that's one part. But there's absolutely no question that the word freedom, the word liberty has been thrown back and forth in the midst of our fraught national politics, maybe more than I ever remember in my lifetime. And whenever national conversations around freedom occur, typically, eventually, it gets back to talking about our nation's founding fathers. Have you noticed that as well? Well, they, the founding fathers, when they were thinking about freedom, they would have been thinking about um, writers, philosophers, thinkers, such as uh, Rousseau, Burke, Montesquieu, even all the way back to Cicero, certainly John Locke, And actually, I list Rousseau there first for a reason. Because if you want to get into a conversation about those founding fathers, if you want to consider the full sweep of the entire founding period, I don't think there's a voice, or what I might call an enlightened, uh, conscious, unconscious way of thinking that so resonates as Rousseau's back in those founders' minds. And so... If that's true and you can agree with me, then what would be one of the main source texts that they were turning back to? Well, no doubt, it would have been the classic, the social contract. And actually, I want you to listen to how Rousseau opens the first lines of that very famous work. Listen. Man is born free, and everywhere he is in chains. Which according to your humble podcaster here, may be the faultiest opening line to a foundational logic for a founding philosophy for a newborn representative democracy that could ever be imagined. (laughs) Why? Because, friends, I don't know if you've noticed, man is not born free. In fact, he is bound inwardly by the fall. That's the whole understanding we have from the beginning of the book of Genesis. And so, all of man's ensuing chains are actually only the natural outflowing of the brokenness of his inner life. So, I hate to say this because this is going to ruffle your American feathers, but freedom as a starting point for our understanding of man and his life and his relationships and his government and to a degree this country is an absurdity. And if you think I'm being awfully negative in my approach, Well, then just look at the individual, actual life of Jean-Jacques Rousseau to see how naturally free he was. Or I'll say it to you this way, if Rousseau is the micro, I'm terrified to see the macro. So what I want to talk about in this thought is really the basic, realistic, true concept of freedom. I want to talk about freedom in its active and inactive senses, uh, freedom as a function of our proper inward dependency, and freedom with relation to our communal, social relationships. And believe it or not, based upon the way that I just opened this podcast, I actually do want to start with the words of Rousseau. These would just be different, more actually enlightened, enlightening words. Because you see, later on, In the midst now of our years, of our American Revolution, it would actually seem that Rousseau had finally come to a a more nuanced, reasonable view of individual freedom. And so this is from a, a posthumously published book called The Reveries of a Solitary Walker, which, by the way, isn't that just a great book title? This is Rousseau. He says, "'I have never believed that man's freedom consists in doing what he wants,' but in not doing what he doesn't. And I'll read that again. I have never believed that man's freedom consists in doing what he wants, but in not doing what he doesn't. Do you see what I mean by active and inactive? The first part there is a freedom that consists in just Outward uh, sort of liberty, do whatever you want, that's active. It's going about your day and just doing whatever seems to occur to you. That's the active sense of freedom. Okay, that's one thing, but he says even higher than that is not doing what you don't want to do. That's the inactive. I'll sit here and not do what I'm being compelled or told to do. Well, fine and good, Jean-Jacques. But for those of us who follow uh, truth himself... Jesus of Nazareth, that bearded man standing in front of you on any day of your life and saying, follow me. What does he say about both the active and inactive senses of freedom? How about John 8? If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Indeed. That's a high height of freedom. Free indeed at the hand of the God who took on flesh. But how do we arrive there? What is our act of freedom? To know the truth. To be filled with his word, with his spirit, with his actual presence. To know it, to trust it, to follow it, to do it. And in that way, to be free. And not just free in some sort of nominal sense, but no, free indeed. Free forever forever. Free to live today in the highest state of freedom you can imagine actively. But what about that inactive sense? Galatians 5.1 For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You see, that's back to my original thought. If we are born under the consequences of the fall, we were not free. We were compelled at every point by our instincts in the wrong. But because of the truth of Jesus, because of the free indeed freedom he has given us, we have been set free from sin. So we no longer have to do the things we do not want to do. Romans 7. We actually can step into today actively doing the things he asks us. And we are no longer under the yoke of slavery to sin. Isn't that phenomenal? So that's the active and inactive sense of our individual freedom. But now I want to talk about what I would call our positive dependency. I've referenced this man before, Gustave Thibon, one of my favorite French philosophers. Listen to this. It's a similar sounding phrase to Rousseau's. He says, a man is not free to the extent to which he is dependent on nothing and no one. He is free to the precise extent to which he is dependent on what he loves. And he is a prisoner to the extent to which he depends on what he is unable to love. So T-Bone is saying to us, this idea that we have complete liberty to do whatever we want is not freedom. That's sort of this overwhelming, I'm dependent on nothing and no one. I'm my own man. Every man is an island. That sort of thinking. No. He is free to the degree that he has made himself dependent on something that is Love. Lovely, loving. And really, we are imprisoned when we are attached to things that make us negatively dependent, that actually are unlovely, unloving. Well, what do we hear from Jesus in that score? We hear him echoing in Luke 4 from Isaiah when he says to that synagogue on that day, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the Lord's year of jubilee. Did you hear my emphasis as I read that to you? The word me, meaning Jesus. You see, it is Jesus himself who received the spirit of the Lord to come to this earth and to proclaim the good news, the gospel to those that were poor, uncared for, unseen. It was Jesus who set them at liberty, set the captives free, and gave sight to the eyes of the blind so that they would see whom? Him. He gave liberty to those who were oppressed. uh, For what? So that they could run loose? No, so they could follow him. To proclaim the Lord's year of jubilee, the setting loose of all debts? For what purpose? So that they could just run wild? No, again, that they would look to him with gratitude and begin to follow him. It's the dependency of us, the poor in spirit, us, the set free, us, the captives, us, the blind who are now seeing. It's our dependency upon Jesus that actually makes us worthwhile people, useful in his economy. And then listen to this. This is so good. Second Corinthians three seventeen. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Friends, where is the spirit? Everywhere. Where is he localized? In you, who calls on the name Jesus. So as you enjoy the Holy Spirit, enjoy positive dependency upon the voice of the Spirit, listen, you are free. But as you walk around this earth that was created by the voice of the Lord, empowered by his work upon this earth and by his releasing of the spirit into us to spread around the world, we are taking freedom where we go. We are showing the world how to be positively dependent upon this one that we call by the name Jesus. And then lastly, because we are not Uh, separate individuals. We each are so interconnected with the lives and the ways of other people. I want to talk about communal freedom, and I've prized this quotation for years. When I first read it, it stunned me because it's so simple. Nelson Mandela, "...for to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others." Friends, our active and inactive freedom, our positive dependency freedom, they are absolutely nothing if our lives do not become a quest to set everyone else free. And I'm talking both temporally and eternally, to look around for ways to actually help the person right next to you, to look for ways to have that conversation that would set them free into the life and the way of Jesus. If we are not doing that, we are wasting our lives. If we're running around being sort of these free Americans who don't give a rip about anybody else, we are wasting our lives. It reminds me of Isaiah 58, when Israel was sort of trying to trumpet how uh, well they were doing, they were doing the right thing. Oh Lord, can't you see us? And listen to the way that he responds by the lips of Isaiah. He says, is not this the fast that I choose? Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness, and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually, continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places, and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Friends, when you hear the word freedom, probably today, certainly this week, whether it's in the news or in conversation, I want you as one member of the kingdom of heaven to say to your own heart, you know what? My freedom is for others. My freedom is to invite them into something that cannot fail. I want your and my heart to be like a watered garden, a peaceful place, a place of great tranquility, care, love, affection. I want our inner life, our spirit to be a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Do you know why? Because as we bring that sort of freedom, as we allow the Holy Spirit who is a fountain in the inner life to spring up and overpour into other people's lives, we will begin to show them that true freedom is active. It's also inactive. We no longer answer to the way of sin. It is dependent. Our freedom is entirely contingent upon how we enjoy and follow Jesus of Nazareth. And it is communal. It invites in. It sets free. And then it lives in love together. So let's not be pulled into uh, conversations about freedom that answer to the ways of uh, Jean-Jacques Rousseau. That man is born free. No, he's not. But he can be made free. And it's our job to do that. Let's go follow Jesus today in the way of freedom. Let's enjoy the triumph of his train as we go about this particular day of our lives. Thanks for listening.